Welcome to The Reforming Lounge, a podcast on spiritual formation for the wandering heart. Every Wednesday, we gather to discuss questions centered around mental health and discipleship in the context of the local church. All right, guys, good morning. Welcome to The Reforming Lounge. Uh, I hope that you all are doing well. I'm here with Fowler. By this time, like I feel like we've done enough episodes to where people are going to know who we are. But maybe in case they don't, who are you? Oh, who am I? Yeah, dude. I'm Mike <laughs> Fowler. Also is my last name. This is me. This is me. <laughs> I'm I'm the representative mental health professional on on the pod. You are. So that's really my only that's my like only a, but it's still like a pretty beast. Like I don't I don't tell people uh I mean I tell when I tell people about you, I'm like, oh I got this friend, his name is Fowler, and they're like Fowler. I was like, well his name is Mike, but I don't call him that. It's weird. Fowler's and, cooler. Yeah it is. And so I never I rarely call you Mike. I think that's weird. Yeah. I don't know when that started. I don't know either. But it seems like it just kind of began and it never stopped. Which is cool. Yeah. I mean, so it's, I have it's, many names that I go by. If you knew me, you know, middle school, then I would have been Mikey. Uh, yeah, I know. Not great. What a loser. So, well, kids on my street just started calling me that. And then it just stuck. Mikey. So, got away from Mikey, though. Well, I mean, that's me good. Long Montreal, though. I'd be Mikey. Is that it? Is that the only nickname you have had? Well, you know, I mean, when I play basketball, everybody called me Big Mike, but that doesn't feel very personable because that just means like if your your name is Mike and you're big, then people call you Big Mike. That makes sense. As is the history of large people named Mike. Right. So, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, I don't call you any of that. Yeah. I just stick with Fowler. You don't have any nicknames. I do. What? Bear. That was oh, my mom's yeah, nickname bear. for me. And yeah. then so... Some people still call me that people like that you grew up with or something. Mm -hmm. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And so, and like on Twitter, I think my handle is like bear the lion. And so it's like caught on with Seth because Seth's nickname, Seth, who's my son, (laughs) his nickname is Chungle, uh, which means monkey. So he's Chungle the lion. Wow. It's kind of caught on, I guess. (laughs) Wow. What are you doing? You're distracted. No, I'm not. Shut up. Don't lie, dude. I could, I'm looking right at you. I. You're playing a video game. You're playing some fantasy game. See that? Yeah, some superhero Venom yeah. game. What is it called again? Marvel Contest of Champions. I'm present. You're the one that's distracted. No, I'm, I'm so I'm so good at this game. I can I feel play. like your your presence is like you're not validating me with your lack of presence. Right here. You can see my hands. Yeah, but the game still might be a venom might be killing someone. I'm a beast. Hey man, that's cool, dude. I'm glad you're playing Marvel Fantasy. Thank you. I'm glad your wife makes fun of me for it. She does. That was hilarious. Yeah. I was not expecting that. That's okay. Yeah. I didn't know. I was like, nerd could be about a lot of different things. And then we were legitimately watching Avengers Age of Ultron because we've mm-hmm. been going through the Marvel Cinematic Universe chronologically. So I feel weird saying that too. And <laughs> I was sitting there playing Contest of Champions when you texted me that. And I felt, I felt real exposed. It's like, what am I going to say back? 
I'm literally sitting here watching a Marvel movie. She's playing. not wrong. So, I mean, <laughs> hey, man. I mean, that's cool. I mean, when you said you y'all were watching um, Avengers, I wasn't too surprised. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I think the Avengers movies are great. I remember taking Seth when he was in elementary. So, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. So, no, man, I think they're legit. What do you think about the Spider-Man uh, trailer? Which one? The new one, dude. I'm not caught up. Spider-Man, Doctor Strange. E. So Doctor I didn't Strange even know there was a trailer out for that. What? Is he's he not really? really a fan. Man, I love Doctor Strange. Man, I think Doctor Doctor Strange is pretty. He's pretty legit. What, what about him is legit? He's very sarcastic, which I love. That's true. That makes sense. Um, <laughs> he's very sarcastic, very confident. Um, and particularly, uh, when is it, um, is it, it's not end game. So it's infinity war where he goes up against Thanos. Like he goes up against Thanos one-on-one and Thanos at that point has what four or five out of the, uh, the infinity stones and, uh, and Dr. Strange like goes at him solo and almost wins. I, I mean, I, that's pretty strong. I mean, compared to Iron Man, compared to all these other dudes who um, have all these powers and resources, I'm just saying, Doctor Strange, he was pretty cool. He's got his mind. He's got his mind. And, you know, witchcraft. Yeah. I just wish, I just wish they would use the stones when they were around Thanos. That would have made sense. Just, yeah. But it may have shortened the whole plan, though. You know? I, just, I know, but still... Like in the beginning, right? He has the power stone and he's taking, um, which one is it? What's the, which is the blue one? Dude, I don't remember. I feel like you know a lot more about this than I do based on your recollection of these events. I do. I, do. So. Um, I can't remember. The Tesseract, uh, whatever. And so, uh, so oh, like, I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't know why Loki doesn't just use it on him. Like right then and there, just use it on him, bro. Like half of the other people are already dead. At least you wipe out Thanos. Yeah. The space stone, the space according stone. to googlay.com. Yeah. So I'm just saying. Yeah. Or when Dr. Strange goes up against him, use the time stone, bro. Coulda. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. Yeah, man. Vision could have like done something, but no. Got his face ripped off instead. Like a loser. Yeah. Dumb idiot. <laughs> yeah. and we just see scarlet witch crying as she kills him that sucks she's a beast did y'all watch wandavision yet i saw there's like 10 episodes aren't there yeah so i maybe saw two of them they were uh, dude. not not watching them from the beginning threw me off i was i was really confused you didn't watch WandaVision from the beginning? No, Rebecca and Seth were watching it and I just kind of stepped in. I didn't want to do any of the Disney shows like WandaVision, Loki. Um, I haven't seen any of those. Winter Soldier and Falcon. Dude, you should. Yeah. They're still high quality. I mean, I'm sure they are. I'm not. WandaVision not- is a good series. Yeah. So I just but, hadn't seen it. Sorry. Yeah. Maybe well, I'll check it out later. Yeah, you should. You should yeah. do that. So since apparently you're such a big big marvel fan talking about the space stone and stuff over Just here say, hey nerd. Man, it's not my fault that i remember stuff that's impressive my memory is pretty horrendous it is so anyway what are we talking about today <laughs> yeah with that being said uh today we're going to be talking about i mean the title of this episode is called a theology of emotions 
So we're talking about feelings today. I know you're really excited about this episode. Are you talking about feelings or emotions? Oh, what's the difference? Ooh, now go ahead. (laughs) We're talking about emotions. We're talking about a theology of emotions. And so this is one that we've been talking about for a while and I'm pretty stoked. So why don't you lead and I'll, I'll just, I'll just fanboy this. Like, yeah, yeah. What he said, um, Well, okay. Let me start with the question, and then you you'll you'll jump into it. So we we've been wanting to talk about emotions for a while. Um, yeah, and so one of the things that we wanted to address when it came to emotions is like, what are they for? Right? What's the function of our emotion? And I think in a bit we'll we'll dive into this more. And I think that's so that first question is important to address because within the context of the church, there tends to be this division among Stoics and I suppose emotionalists. And we'll get into that in a little bit, but yeah, why don't you like take us down this rabbit trail that is actually kind of structured um, on, on emotions? Like what are they for? And um, yeah, go from there. What are they for? Yeah. What are they for? I don't know. That's a great question. Um, So, Emotions in general, from just like a scientific standpoint, not really considering uh, the theology of it, it's just an indication that something's happening. So sometimes they're accurate, sometimes they're not, but they're still relevant. Mm-hmm. You're, the experience is there, whether that's true or not. So if I feel cold and maybe someone else doesn't feel cold, that doesn't mean that it's not cold to me. It means that it does feel cold, right? Right. But that doesn't make it objective truth, but it also doesn't make it not true. That's really good. Right. So it can get kind of messy if they're kind of leading the path, Yeah. um, which is kind of where an emotionalist would fall, right? Is that I feel this, so it's true. And when that comes to, I mean, the church, which of course you could speak a lot more to this, um, it could lead us down a pretty dangerous road, right? Just Mm -hmm. by going based on whatever it is that you feel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Uh, so we did a series on emotions a couple, well, not a couple, but it was a year ago now, I think. Yeah. And so, yeah, we wanted to make the distinction between, or we want to make the distinction between emotionalists or emotionalism and stoicism um, because that exists in the church. And so <clears throat> emotionalism is when we allow our feelings to interpret our circumstances and thoughts about God. And so similar to what you're saying, like the emotion kind of takes over and leads in that direction. And so the problem or the danger with emotionalism is that we tend to lack depth in theological truths. um, And our faith tends to be grounded in our, our feelings rather than truth and experience. And so it's, it just tends to be this, this one direction. But the same thing could be said of uh, stoicism, right? And and that's when our faith is rooted really deep in theology, but it's void of affection. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's you know it's one thing to to memorize scripture, but it's it's a it's another thing to produce love and humility. And so so that's at the very minimum a a, a, a distinction between these two, I suppose, categories of individuals. Yeah. And so yeah, because both are dangerous. And so when you talk about emotions, I think it's really important to discuss uh, what they are and what what they do. And so very similarly, as far as a a central idea 
uh, a central theological idea. It's not too different from what you just said, but but emotions are important because they they communicate something about what, who, and how we worship, and we and we can unpack that a lot over the course of our time right now. But but, sure. but yeah, it's so it's not just communicating how we're feeling; it's communicating something about what and who and how we worship. Yeah, so they couldn't really be good or bad necessarily. They just kind of are. Right. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, just like with so many other things they can be made too much of, or too little of, mm-hmm. which we do that with <laughs> every other thing in yeah, our life. Yeah, too, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. you can't deny that emotions are, are, are not important. They're, they're very important. They're significant. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you do with them matters. Yeah. 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 Where I see that a lot. Uh, and this is, this tends to be where I operate. So uh, this is something that I think about with every single client that I work with, whether this is stuff that we're focused on or not. And I tend to think of it from what's called an attachment style, which is basically just how we connect and how we bond in loving relationships, which mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll come back to probably many times over the course of our, our podcast. But mm-hmm. um, when it comes to attachment style, it, it kind of falls in line with what you're talking about with stoicism and emotionalist. So there's an avoidant attachment style where we basically learn to avoid our emotions, that emotions are a bad thing. They just get in the way. They just cause problems. You really need to lean on logic and that's how you work through things. And then there's what would be called um, anxious ambivalent attachment style where they're more reactive to their emotions and they respond to them, but it still tends to be in an unhealthy way mm. where they're being overwhelmed by them, which in avoiding attachment style, you're still being overwhelmed by your emotions, but you just respond by turning it off rather right. than addressing them. And so there's kind of this middle ground of being able to tolerate the emotional distress, which I think is kind of the whole reason why we started this podcast, even is talking about some of this stuff during the pandemic, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, so, because I mean, the person that's comfortable with their emotions and maybe would be considered emotionally healthy, it's not that they just talk about their feelings all the time with everybody, which would be excessive also, mm-hmm. but they're also not so distressed that they just turn it off all right. the time. Right. Yeah. But even in the, in that middle ground, we can still fall either way. Sometimes we're going to be overled by our emotions or sometimes they're going to be so distressing. Our body just responds by turning turning that stuff off. Mm-hmm. So, but I think when we do that <laughs> in the church, that's <laughs> a side eye. I was just like, yeah, keep going. That's, I, mean, cool. I was enjoying what you were saying. I'm sorry. Oh. So, um, <laughs> but it kind of falls in the same category, right? Mm-hmm. Of kind of people can look at it as one is good and one is bad. Mm-hmm. And so in, in my field, a lot of times people that might be considered anxious and bivalent attachment, they think that they're just emotionally attuned, mm. but really they're still being overwhelmed by their emotions. Right. That's actually really helpful. Thinking about the individual who is just very generally speaking, responding to their emotions, assuming that they are actually in tune with their emotion or or maybe they are, but that they're responding to them uh, healthily. And I think that's a, that's a really interesting um, dynamic because it, 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 it it further expands on emotionalism or it can further expand on emotionalism. um, If an individual believes and embraces that, yes, I, 
I know what I'm feeling and therefore just starts communicating it or just starts putting everything out there. And that's not necessarily bad. Um, but they're assuming that the route they're going is actually a healthy route when in reality it, it may not be. And, um, I think one, I think that's really, that can be dangerous for some people. Um, and so I think that's why at the very least when I meet with, um, for instance, members of my church, like when we start talking about their emotions or or when I start discussing their emotions with them, man, I want to know, I want to help them to identify what it is they're feeling because and we'll talk about some practical steps in a bit or a practical guide, I suppose, but I want them to begin to identify and communicate what it is they're feeling because from there we can begin to build um, kind of some, we can begin to build some sort of structure where we are learning that their communication or excuse me, that their emotions are communicating something of value. Like if they're fearful, something's being threatened. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, their emotions are going to communicate something relationally, right? Like there's actually stress here. Um, their emotions are going to communicate their motivation, right? Like uh, with anger, oftentimes is referred to, referred to as the the moral emotion, right? When we feel anger, the idea is like, hey, I'm against whatever whatever it is, um, or that their emotion is going to communicate some kind of need. Like mm-hmm. there, there is a void and therefore it needs to be filled. And, and that's why I'm responding a certain way. And so if I could be, if we can begin to identify what they're feeling, we can begin to um, find out what their emotions are communicating and why they're communicating that so that we can begin to address heart issues or begin, um, man, this process where there is this turning to Jesus so that they would process their emotion biblically as opposed to running with it and kind of leaving everyone and everything in, in, you know, in the dust. Yep. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's all, that's all it is. <laughs> I mean, I can keep going. I didn't know if you had any other thoughts, but, but yeah, like the idea here is that, that emotions, like when we feel our emotions at the very least, again, in the context uh, that I find myself in, right. When I'm, whether it's me, whether it's my wife, whether it's, it's individuals in our, in our church, um, man, I, I want to be able to um, understand what their emotions are communicating. Cause that's going to help. And then at the same yeah. time, their emotions are also going to expose them. Yeah. Right. Their, their emotions are going <clears> to, <throat> expose what they value, what they worship. Um, and it could be like this array of things. It could be justice. It could be intelligence. It could be arrogance and being right. It could be control. It could be convenience. There could be man, a slew of things that are, are going to be revealed uh, in that. And so I think sometimes I think people realize that more than they think. That's why they're so guarded with their emotion at times, because Communicating what you are feeling involves some level of vulnerability. Oh, yeah. And so if you can at the very least feel that vulnerability, you have some, I think, concept of this is about to expose me or I'm going to feel exposed if I communicate X, Y, and Z. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and what's so interesting. Yeah. What's so what's so dangerous about that, I think, Mm -hmm. is that it's not that you're wrong. And it's not even that the emotion that you're feeling is, is evil or sinful, but it does mean that our hearts are deceptive. And so, man, unless I could invite someone in to kind of help me discern and apply some wisdom to it, man, I, I'm going to internalize that and, you know, 
protect myself because this is going to expose me for, for whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah, dude. That's uh man. I think that's so important because <laughs> <laughs> yes, <for> real. <laughs> well, because one of the things that I think comes up <clears throat> in that situation um, that I think can blur it is people sometimes think that even just talking about their emotions assumes vulnerability, mm-hmm. but we can think and talk about our emotions without actually experiencing our emotions or showing any real vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And it's, that's, that's sort of one of the things that I'm frustrated about with some of the self-help books out there is like when it talks about using I statements mm-hmm. and identifying how you feel about a certain situation, when we have these two attachment styles of avoidant and anxious ambivalent, anxious ambivalent is going to be rocking that. They're like, yeah, I use, I feel statements all the time. And the avoidant thinks that they're unable to do that Mm. usually. Yeah. But so you can use those statements and it basically puts a distress couple anyway, in a position where one of them is doing it right. Using the finger quotes, because it's, it's not really, talking about it. It's right. it, it's not really experiencing it and showing it in vulnerability. It's talking about it from a cognitive, I'm better than you because I'm able to talk about my emotions. Mm. And if you just did this like me, we wouldn't be in trouble. Right. 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 And so talking about it and actually feeling it and being in a vulnerable position is very, very different. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think a lack of vulnerability has the propensity to breed arrogance and self-righteousness. It's just like in the example you you gave, right? The individual who thinks like, man, if you were just communicate and engage your emotions the way I'm doing it, we yeah. wouldn't be having this problem. But the same right. thing is could be said of the stoic. Man, if you would just set your emotions aside and look at this logically, we wouldn't be in this situation. Right. And so a lack of vulnerability um, breeds arrogance and, and, and self-righteousness. And yeah. so both are trying to, both sets of individuals, I think are trying to engage their emotions um, by like, let me, let's do in part what we have to do just so that they go away, which isn't necessarily engaging and it's not necessarily um, creating vulnerability. Um, right. It's, it's just uh, self-righteousness in conflict with self-righteousness. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom, <laughs> yeah, son, tweet that. Someone tweet that. I will. I will tweet that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what this makes me think of, though? And it's ironic because of the lack of like intentional discipleship yeah. uh, in, in the American church, or at least we can say in the Bible Belt, right? Um, one of the things that I think is really intimidating about that out of a multitude of things for right. sure. But one of the things is you really are forced into vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And so whether regardless of kind of where you fall in the emotional aspect, it's a vulnerable situation mm-hmm. to really confront sin and confess sin to someone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I don't know. It's just interesting that like yeah. this, this piece that regardless of where you fall, if you're like emotions are great and they're, you know, this is how we're designed by God or like emotions just get in the way and they keep us from being able to look at scripture appropriately mm-hmm. um, that it kind of at the, at the crux of that would be confession. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I think if now we look at it, I think biblically or theologically, if we engage our emotions by engaging God first, then once again, our, our hearts are now exposed and revealed. And when our hearts are exposed and revealed, as we turn to the person and character uh, of, of God, we find there, there may be comfort, there may be conviction, there may be clarity. Your circumstances aren't necessarily going to change. And I think that's something that's really important because that doesn't mean your, your circumstance or your situation changes, but it can and does mean that your heart is going to be exposed. Um, and so by engaging your emotions, engaging your emotions by engaging God first reveals the condition of your heart. And so that in and of itself is a position or a posture of vulnerability and humility. Yeah. You know, and we, we haven't yeah. even gotten to the, like, like that would be considered like fellowshipping or communing with communing with God, not even the right. people of God yet. And so you're already in a position of vulnerability because man, the Holy spirit is convicting you or the Holy spirit has revealed something or, or the Holy spirit has is man bringing comfort or conviction or clarity or whatever, regardless, that's a very vulnerable place to be. Mm -hmm. um, and so from there, you take it to like, for instance, what James five says to, to confess our sin to one another. Mm -hmm. Right. And so now that, that in and of itself is, it is scary. It is vulnerable because you're not only laying your heart out before people, right. Uh, but you're also inviting them to, to speak into uh, what's going on. And the hope would be that their first response isn't you need to do X, Y, and Z, but that their first response is the comfort of the gospel that, Hey, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ that you have been forgiven of this. And this does not annul your standing before God because of Jesus's work for you. And yeah. now let's talk about this. And I think yeah. that's one of the things that's often missing in, in, in the church, I think, um, because it's, man, I might commune with God, maybe, and, and if I do now, I got to, if I take this to someone, the fear is that they're going to condemn me. The fear is that they're going to give me a list of things to do. The fear is that they are going to push me away. And, um, and so that, that makes it, that makes it scary. But I think even there, that's why communing with God is so important because if we're talking about emotions as they pertain to sinful action. Mm -hmm. I think some people assume that because I'm sharing my emotion, because I'm being vulnerable, I don't have to experience consequences. Well, that's not what we're talking about. There, there may be consequences. Yeah. Our hearts being revealed before the Lord allows us to own up to them. Wow. If there are. Yeah. 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 Yeah, dude. I hadn't even thought about that until you were talking about that. But like, when I, when I think about things that I've gone to in prayer and there's moments where like, I don't even want to be like, it's like saying that stuff out loud, just in prayer alone with God is uncomfortable sometimes yeah. when I'm really confronting difficult things. Right. And then, yeah, it's like taking that to the next level of bringing that to someone in my community is a whole different beast. Mm -hmm. And that's where we can get into, you know, some other things of like people have had bad experiences doing that. Exactly. You know, there's, there's plenty of people in the church that they think that, um, you know, how you help someone fight their sin is by making them feel like crap for whatever they told you, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is kind of jumping over the whole, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Where I, I really think the power in that is by being faithful and shining light on our sin mm -hmm. in in our community of believers. And I think that 
maybe a lack of biblical teaching or whatever it could be kind of leads to this idea that, oh, I'm supposed to make you feel bad about this so that you don't do it again, which ironically, the field of psychology was down with for a long time too. <laughs> like there's, there's kind of this, there's kind of separate, you know, joints and, and all of psychology, obviously. Mm-hmm. So in, in my training and what would be considered systems theory, we kind of operate under the assumption that people know what they need to do and how to do it. It's just the, the way that they're in their relationships currently, there needs to be a change so mm-hmm. that they can create that change themselves basically. And so part of what like being in, if you're um, operating from what would be considered an attachment lens, it's like, if, if you're able to accept someone pretty much where they're at, <clears throat> then they end up kind of laying aside part of the things that cause problems for them mm-hmm. because they know that it's not helpful and they know that it's problematic, but that tends to be what they've gone to for such a long time. Whereas there's other approaches where it's like, I'm going to call you on your stuff and make you feel like an idiot about it. And then you won't be able to deny it, mm-hmm. but then we still end up denying it. I yeah. mean, anyway, people do that all the time, right? They hold yeah. these kind of conflicting things of, I believe this, but I operate in a way that doesn't show that I believe this. Right. Yeah. No, I, I agree completely. So, so, okay. Then how do we begin to help others engage emotions healthily and, and, or practically? Yeah. So where, where I start with, with this, again, just coming from a like secular counseling mm-hmm. standpoint mm-hmm. is I, I work with getting people to be able to one identify what they're feeling and being able to communicate it, but being able to communicate it with a trusted other. Right. right. So when someone is on Facebook talking about, you know, some difficult time that they're going through, you're not going to get the same experience as if you're sitting with someone that you know cares about you mm-hmm. and that is a relationship that's valuable to you and you're sharing some difficult stuff. Right. It's a very different experience because one, if I'm sitting with you, right. And I, maybe I share something that I'm ashamed of or something like that. There's the possibility that you can reject me in that moment. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, it's so much different saying it out loud than typing something. Mm-hmm. Right. But the response that I get from you, is very different than seeing a Facebook like or a Facebook comment. Right. And it's so much more powerful for change than anything that you would get online. And so when people kind of use these replacement factors to feel like they're feeling vulnerable and getting this dopamine hit from a Facebook like that doesn't actually produce any change, it's it's not really doing anything in the long term. Whereas if they're able to have those conversations with people that they know care about them, mm-hmm. that's going to go so much farther. So yeah. that's one of the things I start with is just one, you have to be able to identify it and yeah. you know know what's going on to be able to communicate it. Um, yeah, but that's would, sort of yeah. the difference. No, Sorry. Keep going, keep going. no, no, you're good. You're good. I, I was just going to say, I, I agree with that. I think, I think that's, uh, yeah, I agree. I'll add some side comment to that later, but go for it. All right. Well, I think one of the areas where people get hung up on is they like, maybe they feel like they don't have the right, the right language for it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I didn't really intend to bring this up because I feel like it can kind of open up a whole mess, but there really is a difference between an emotion and a feeling. And so it's like an emotion would be, I feel sad. I feel angry. 
I feel happy. I feel shame. You know, that's an emotion. You're saying an emotion right there. And that's going to feel differently for different people. Right. And so f- feeling is really like, like a description of the emotional experience. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. I, and so I think sometimes that's where people can get stuck is they're like, I don't know how to describe how I feel. And maybe they've had situations where they have described how they feel, but maybe sadness to me feels very differently to you. Yeah. Like the experience of sadness for me is very different for you. And so maybe I'm describing sadness to you. This could be a formative situation. And you say, that's not sadness. Like you're not sad. You're X, Y, Z. Yeah. And that can have a real impact on people, especially when they're young, man. Like yeah. when, you know, if you're getting those messages from your parents, like that stuff's such a mess. Like you don't need to, you don't need to deal with that. You don't need to talk about that stuff. You know, then we, we take that into our experience of what it means when we express emotions and when we express vulnerability. Right. Right. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, man. I agree. Uh, just kind of come back to that opening uh, portion of it. I think identifying our emotions are incredibly important because it, it like we want to create awareness of what is going on or what we're feeling so that we can be effective in our practice. Yeah. Right? Like however it is I'm going to process or whatever action steps I may need to take, if any, um, I, I need to be able to, I, I need to be proactive in creating awareness so that I can be effective. And so I think, especially when you're saying like, when individuals don't necessarily know how to communicate their emotions, I want to encourage them to communicate whatever it is they can, even if it's saying, I feel off. Okay, well, let's go from there. Like, what what does that mean? What is feeling, I suppose, on or, you know, quote unquote, normal feel like? What's the contrast? Yeah. Um, and so um, I think that it in part is a discipling mechanism, right? Where I want to help individuals create awareness on how they're feeling. Yeah. Yeah, you because know, that Dude. bleeds into a bunch of a bunch of other things. Um, yeah, I think that the another thing in, in terms of engaging emotions practically, right? So it's one, it's identifying. Two, we were talking about this, and you can add more to this, especially with the resources that you have. The second one was uh, like examine. Like I want I want to ask people um, why they're feeling a certain way. Uh, what is it that they're learning about themselves as they're feeling? these emotions right and, and and the idea here is i want to help guide them or i want to help i suppose i want to come alongside them in helping them identify and discern their motives and their outcomes if you're feeling this way what's the motivation behind that what do you see this what do you see the outcome as a result of this motivation so i'm not invalidating how you're feeling but we also need to address your emotion or excuse me your your motivation so that we can best understand where a lot of this is coming from. Yeah. Yeah. Man. So with that, yeah, this is kind of an area where I, I almost think that like our understanding of sin can be really detrimental Mm -hmm. because there's times where our emotions are like sinful. Right. Yeah. But if we know that we're in the process of sanctification, yeah. And that we're going to experience sinful emotions and it's okay for us to be able to identify that. Then I think we have space to be able to do that where we can look at something and say, man, yeah, this is like idolatry in my heart. That's, that's coming up right here. Yeah. And, and we're not surprised by that. And we don't feel like we're losing our salvation because of that. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. 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 Cause I get it especially depends on maybe, 
it can it can depend on your background and in how sin has been addressed yeah in the past and so man because sometimes like yeah there are these I, I think in discernment you realize that there might be some like sinful uh, emotion or sinful actions that are that are really brewing as a result of these emotions and then they think that and there's one thing to repent um right. and and, and and engage God, which is what we were talking about, man. Engage God first, right? As we engage our emotions, there's another thing to be like, man. I'm I'm gonna be condemned, or um, man. I'm 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 screwing this up as a Christian, right? And I think I think it's in it's in those contexts of examining and evaluating our emotions that I think are so important because it particularly if as you as your heart is revealed as you discern uh, especially as you're evaluating or discerning man is this good and godly or is this destructive and selfish um as you're doing that if it leads you to repentance i think people christians need to know repentance is not shame driven repentance yeah. is grace driven yes you know what i mean um yeah that guilt and shame that we may experience man jesus has paid for that on the cross on your behalf like he has taken that upon himself on the cross and imputed you with his righteousness redeeming you from um uh from your 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 bondage to uh, to sin yeah therefore repentance is a grace repentance yeah. is grace driven like man god is going to meet me where i am in this moment not god is going to smite me yeah dude yeah, man, I feel like we could go down that for for a long, a long mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, and so I think you have to start there. And it, yeah. so if if people do have that understanding, then I think it's it, it it kind of removes a barrier in some ways of being able to really examine the emotion, and you know, being able to identify those things. Yes. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So, yeah. So we talked about then, identifying, examine. We did a little bit on evaluation. One thing I would add about evaluation is, is like that is also an area where I'm inviting someone to speak into this. Because if I'm trying to discern good and godly emotions or selfish and destructive, destructive emotions, I'm not saying I can't do that on my own. And I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit cannot reveal that before me. But man, I, I also want to invite one or two people to, to speak into this so that I yeah. could... Uh, um, man, bring stuff to light or, 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 or turn to, to God in repentance. So, yeah. 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 One or two people that you actually know, you actually have a relationship <laughs> with. Yes. You trust them. Yeah. You know that they, you know, yeah. they love you and that's why they're saying the things that they're saying, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not, not just taking it to, you know, I, I think what's wild is when Christians will kind of hold non-believers in this specific place in their life yeah. and they'll kind of take certain things to them because they mm -hmm. know that they'll get the response that you want, yeah. which again can kind of be a trap because it's like, well, you're, you know, technically expressing it and mm -hmm. um, sharing it and all these things, but it, are these people going to point you to the cross right. or not? Right. You know? Um, yeah. So when you talk about, I, I meant to ask you this earlier when we were a little bit more on it, but I think it's still relevant to just mm. speak it explicitly. When you're talking about taking your emotions to God, yeah. like what exactly are you, do you mean by that? Yeah. So I think I may speak about it very, very practically. Um, so taking our emotions to God means, implies that as I'm feeling, whatever it is I'm, I'm feeling, whatever emotions I'm experiencing, that in confidence, I can draw 
near to God. Because that, I mean, that's the thing about emotions. He's created me to have emotions. And because emotions communicate something about what I worship, right? I want to allow my emotions to draw me toward Jesus. And so in doing so, um, coming to God with our emotions means that we are literally laying them out before God, not necessarily as a confession, but just as this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm doing. I think about the psalmist in Psalm 42. Um, I mean, like the whole thing is, is great, but, but particularly in verses one and two, and then I'm looking down, I have it open right now. Um, and then verse 11, but one and two, he goes on to say, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear for God? And you fast forward. And he says this throughout the, the entire psalm. Um, excuse me. He says this through the entire psalm, but particularly in verse 11, why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall praise, I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And so we see the psalmist be incredibly vulnerable before God. We see the psalmist just be very, uh, uh, I, I hate using this word, but like genuine or authentic before God. Like he's not pulling any punches. He is dropping how he's feeling. And that's out of yeah. the, as an example, that's out of the, the ESV translation. I think the Holman Christian translation says, why are you so depressed? You know, why, why, why is my soul so depressed Lord? Yeah. Um, Verse three, he says, my tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all the day long, where's your God? So he's, he's just pouring his heart out before the Lord. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it, cause it, it continues into Psalm 43, but he continually pours his heart out before the Lord. But you notice that in doing so he, he's preaching truth to himself as he's mm. pouring his heart out before the Lord. And yeah. I think that's key. I think people want to go to God with their emotions and he's going to do something, whether it's giving me what I want, taking them away, or just addressing them in some fashion that's going to be convenient to me. The psalmist doesn't do that. He's taking it before the Lord while at the same time preaching uh, the truth of God to himself um, as he repeatedly goes before God. And there are even some Psalms where, um, I'm thinking Psalm 77, I think where like <clears throat> they continue, it's this cry of lament and they, they are, the people of God are continually turning to God and he doesn't answer. Yeah. You know, but that doesn't keep him from, or that doesn't keep them from turning to him. And so, <clears throat> I think very practically, it, it means man, turning to the Lord and laying it out before him as I preach truth to myself. And, um, and I am not going to assume that his silence means he's absent. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. Yeah. And so, so I think that because that in and of itself, preaching truth to myself, being humble and completely bare before the Lord, um, is those are those that's a posture of vulnerability yeah it's very practical but i've just created a posture of vulnerability i'm i'm pouring my heart out before the lord while preaching his truth back to him and man praying that the spirit would would do a work in me as i continue to do this yeah that's, right that's i think good, people man. is like it's a one and done it's like no man you this this will be a continual thing like for instance i've been in the psalms for the last year and a half and um just walking out of 2020 like there was a lot of discouragement and and i feel like i was that's all i was writing about in in 2020 and it wasn't until a couple of weeks ago where 
my, in my journaling, like it turned into like a lot of discouragement to a lot of praise because, um, I became, well, not that I wasn't, but I was incredibly thankful for what God had, has done for me in Jesus, but also seeing what God is doing through people. And it just felt like, man, you, you actually didn't forsake me and, and you actually heard my prayers and you heard my cries. And in doing so, what we're talking about, it was me continually daily turning to the Lord, laying my heart out before him, preaching truth to myself, repenting of my sin, and just keep doing that. Um, not in the sense of like, oh, in hopes that he's going to do that. But the thing is like, I'm being sanctified in that process. Yeah. And so as I'm being sanctified in that process, and when I see God respond and answer or convict, like he's doing what he said he'd do. I'm, I'm, I'm actually not forsaken and I'm not going to confuse his, um, uh, the, 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 the thing is I'm not going to confuse his silence for, um, for his absence. And so I think that's, what's really important when it comes to, uh, addressing, you know, how, how we engage, how we engage our emotions by engaging God. It's we, we bring our emotion in this case before him, um, with great honesty and confidence. Uh, the author of Hebrews says that as we approach his throne in confidence, that man, there's a, there's, we receive grace and mercy. Yeah. So it's, it's me turning to the Lord with my emotion, with great honesty and confidence. And at the same time, I'm preaching the truth of the gospel to myself and back to him. Right? Like, yeah. God, you, you are steadfast. And man, I want to look back at where you have provided your steadfast love for me. Um, God, you said that you would not abandon your people. Please don't abandon me. Right. Like that, that's like, I'm preaching, I'm preaching scripture to myself and praying yeah. it back to God. Yeah. And you see that throughout all of the Psalms, like they, they refer back to the character of God, not because he's forgotten, not because they're trying to shove it in his face, but because they know this is who he is. And we can actually look back and see his faithfulness to address our present state so that we can move forward. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's good. Yeah. It, it's, it's like in the midst of that, doing that, um, it's, it's like, it shows a dependency on God. It's like, I know that I'm in the midst of this and it's horrible, which yeah. I think is just, you know, we see that from David too, right. Where yeah. he's really lamenting and talking about the things that, um, just the distress that he's experiencing, mm -hmm. which is yeah. real. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I don't know um, if you're my daughter just walking in, no, but, man, it's all good. but then you're, then you're taking it that to, to, despite what I'm in right now, mm -hmm. I still know that you're faithful. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think that's why engaging God, engaging God's word is significant because it, it builds confidence in us turning to him so that we can engage him so that we can engage our emotions biblically and healthily. Um, and at the same time, like, man, as I engage God's word, like I should be approaching God's word uh, with dependence because dependence is going to increase my delight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Which we have to have a healthy understanding of emotions to be able to mm -hmm. do that mm -hmm. too though. Right. Yeah. Cause that's, that's kind of the same thing of like, is if, if we look at it and I'm thinking even the, the emotionalist in a situation like that, whereas if we think that whatever we're experiencing is absolute truth, then that could even take us to a really dark place with our relationship with God. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that would impact our view of suffering and uh, all of that. Yeah. But then if you're feeling condemnation because you're an experiencing an emotion period, then that could feel really shameful to try to take that and be open and vulnerable with mm -hmm. God about those emotions. But 
that if we're kind of in this place where it's like, I know that these come like God has designed my emotional system. Right. And that these are things that I can share with him. Um, and sometimes I'm led to repentance out of, but that he's not surprised by this. I can still take this to him. And that's, that's not, and, and you know, I think there's a posture too, of like, if you're like going to prayer and like blaming God for something that right. you're experiencing, that's obviously a very different position as well. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I'm, like, Again, I think approaching the Psalms as an example is probably one of the best things Christians can do to learn to engage their emotion. I think about Psalm 88, and and here's what's interesting about Psalm 88. You compare verse 1 to verse 11. In verse 1, the psalmist opens by saying, Oh, Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. So he's turning to God. He's recognized God's character and God's work, right? (laughs) And then you fast forward to the last verse in Psalm 88. This is verse 18. He says, you have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. Like he, he's not holding back. Like he's wrestling with the things that are going on around him, his emotions and what his experience is to the circumstances around him. Like he's, he's not pulling any punches, but he also doesn't compromise on the character of God. Yeah, man. Jeez. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah, dude. Man. So well, yeah, go for it. Go for it. Well, so all right. So we've got in terms of like dealing with our emotions. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about going to God in prayer. Yeah. Praying through the scriptures. Yeah. Being able to be vulnerable with trusted others. Yeah. Um, is there anything that we're missing? Maybe there would be a spiritual discipline around dealing with our emotions or. I mean, as far as like spiritual discipline, I think that goes into engaging God's word, right? So turning to him, engaging God's word also means like it encompasses prayer and meditation. Yeah. Right. Like that's Psalm one, like the, the blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord, the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night. So, so meditation, um, helps us in our delight of God's word. Um, And if we're delighting on God's word, there is fruit of dependence, you know, and grace is multiplied to you in that, in that area. So, so I think, yeah, when it comes to engaging God's word, there's, there is this branch of spiritual disciplines that, that come with it. I think, I think what's left to do as far as like identifying, what would you say? Examining, evaluating what's left to do is, is acting like actually taking action steps, whether that's going to someone, whether that's man repenting, whether that's changing something, whether that's just man lamenting, what, whatever that is, there, there has to be some action steps. I can't just identify, examine, evaluate, and then not do anything. Right. Yeah. That's good, man. Yeah. See, when, when I think about stuff like that too, at least from, you know, the counseling perspective, yeah. I'll still will point people to stuff like exercise. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you said like, spiritual disciplines. So. Right. No, no, no. Yeah. yeah. That's not as like a rebuttal yeah. of anything that you right. said. That's just kind of the other side of it. But, so yeah, yeah, exercise. Uh, I'll tell people that like that, that, you know, it can be helpful to express creatively in some way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 100%. That can be hugely impactful. When I meet with um, young dudes, if, yeah. uh, if they're not working out or if they work out, you know, uh, every once in a while, I try to have them stick to some kind of workout plan and, and they'll tell me like, yeah, I can, I can do an hour three times a week or something like that. And the, the, what is it like the, what they have to do is go all out. Like the, the goal is 
get tired. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, I want you to, man, you should not be like, especially for younger guys, like, no, you're not going to be doing a light jog. Like I want you to do some sprints. I want you to go ham. Now, obviously if they've never worked out, if they, you know, <laughs> I want to be cautious about who I'm like prescribing that kind of a workout plan to, but some of the yeah. guys who are like fit and able, um, and willing, like, yeah, you need to get tired. You, you need to go lift some heavy weight. You need to go punch a bag. Like you got to go and do this. Um, so yeah, I think, I think exercise is, is, uh, an amazing practical, uh, outlet, um, yeah. uh, diet and uh, diet. Like what, what are you eating? You know, I mean, yeah. the tr- you know, the truth is like, um, if you eat like crap, you're going to feel like crap and more than likely you're going to look like crap. Like that's just, like if you're just eating donuts and cheeseburgers and, and like not really like, that's not going to help you process some of this other stuff physically. Dude, that is so, man, I can't believe we hadn't even talked about that yet, but mm-hmm. yeah, dude, that's oh, yeah. like, a can, that's a the whole other side of unhealthy <laughs> mechanisms, right? Oh, yeah. It's yeah. like, yeah. Binging out on TV, yeah. eating your emotions, yeah. drinking your emotions. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, man. Like, man, what are you, what are you drinking? How much, how much digital content are you like going through, whether it's Netflix or Instagram reels or whatever, like, yeah, like exercise your physical health matters uh your nutrition matters what you're watching and how much of it you're watching matters like all of those are contributions uh they can be good or bad contributions to how you're going to process some of this other stuff yeah yeah dude there's been more and more research in the scientific community around like the integration of all of those things mm-hmm. of like how our emotions and our body and just our, our mental well-being mm-hmm. are all connected. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah, that's kind of the other side of it is that, you know, usually if people think that they're not emotional, those tend to be the people tend to be not exclusively for yeah. sure. Uh, but those tend to be the people that lean into some of these other uh, avenues to be able to deal with the emotions because yeah. you're, you're dealing with it, whether you realize it or not. Yeah. And so if yeah. you, all you're doing is shutting it down and you don't know that it's there, that's really an emotion about an emotion, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Is that yeah. you're like, I don't like this feeling, so I'm going to shut it off. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway. no, I think, I think that's really good because it, it's, it's true. And, um, and so, yeah, like, I think, I think, I think there's a reason many Stoics, not all, right? Like many Stoics love the working out, the hearts, the heart, because those are like physical disciplines that do exactly what you just said. They may, I'm going to engage this discipline to shut this emotion down. Yeah. Um, the irony is I'm still, I'm actually dealing with this emotion. Um, I just may not be able to articulate that that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Man. So, yeah, man. Good dude. Yeah. We should revisit emotion and talk about it from the whole physical standpoint. Um, another, another episode, but, uh, but yeah, man. So in, in, in conclusion, yeah, the emotions are good. They're necessary. Um, and I think what is, um, crucial for the Christian is understanding that emotions communicate something about who, what and and how we worship and therefore how we respond to our emotion reveals uh reveals our hearts yeah man 100 percent. i know we'll come back to this because there's so many other things that we could talk yeah, about for with sure. this. yeah man yeah so all right guys well that's our episode on a theology of emotions hit us up if you have any questions and uh we'll see you next week
Deuces. Thank you for listening to the Reforming Lounge podcast. Follow us on social media at the Reforming Lounge on Instagram. If you have questions, we want to hear from you. Visit the Reforming Lounge.com. Thank you.